episode of Ribcast, the podcast of the Chestwall Injury Society. This is a special episode that features some of the highlights from the Chestwall Injury Summit, which was held in Santa Fe this year. It was a great meeting, and if you weren't able to attend, hopefully these interviews give you a sense of what it was like. The interviews contained within this episode were recorded by myself, as well as Dr. Dave Morris and Dr. Carrie Valdez, who in addition to being members of the Chestwall Injury Society, our moderators for TraumaCast, the excellent podcast of EAST. This episode is sponsored by SIG Medical. Before we get into the interviews, we have some comments from them. At the 2019 Chestwall Injury Summit in Santa Fe, intrathoracic rib fracture fixation and Advantage Rib were the talk of the town. Dr. Moritz of UPMC Pinnacle in Harrisburg had this to say on his use of Advantage Rib. I think it's stronger. I think it's, I think it's a solid system. So it's sort of my first line thought process. And I'm, I'm a, I got no conflict of interest. I'm just a guy, you know, putting on rib plates. So I, I, it's, it's become my go-to plate. Dr. Tao of University Hospitals in Cleveland spoke on the benefits of Advantage Rib. I think it's a big advantage for frail and thin ribs because of the mechanical properties. And I think it is probably the sort of procedure where people may say, I want surgery, but I'm afraid of a bigger cut. So you may offer a procedure to someone who has a lesser injury, a concern about a big cut, some sort of desire for a million approach. Advantage Rib is truly changing the algorithm of SSRF. For more information on Advantage Rib, Email SIG Medical at info at sigmedical.net. Thank you to SIG Medical and all the other sponsors who helped make the 2019 summit possible. And now on to the rest of the episode. I'm standing here with Tom White, the organizing force and really uh, genius mind behind the Chestwall Injury Society. Uh, Tom, thanks for putting on this meeting this year. You forgot the evil genius part of that. <laughs> and uh, what can members expect out of the Chestwall Injury Summit this year? What's, what's going to be the hot topics? Well, I th- uh, we're pretty excited. I think uh, uh, what's, what's going to be noticeable to those who have been here before is that we've just stepped up our uh, scientific uh, game or portion of the meeting. It's, it's, we, we, we have a host of... Um, of, uh, of topics of interest to everyone, but we also have more scientific sessions. We actually have uh, t- over 20 papers to be presented and uh, 10 case reports. And then we're having posters this year as well. So we're really, um, we're trying to uh, elevate our game. And, uh, and uh, I, think, I think people will, um, will enjoy that aspect of it. It's a nice balance between you know, didactic lectures and uh, original scientific work. And this year, uh, Chestwall Injury Society has partnered with the Journal of Trauma to uh, publish some of the presentations this year. Is that correct? Yes, that's very exciting. We've been offered an opportunity to um, uh, f- put forth our five strongest manuscripts, and uh, the Journal of Trauma will um, will uh, accept those and publish those in a in, publish those in a special edition later in the year. Cool. cool. And uh, why Santa Fe? What does Santa Fe have to offer for members? 
it's hard to explain Santa Fe if you haven't been here before. It's one of America's iconic, unique destinations. Um, uh, it's it's got a lot of uh, if you like food, if you like um, uh, adult beverages, if you like art, if you like uh, clothing, jewelry, um, uh, th that sort of thing. It's it's a it's a treasure trove of those sorts of opportunities, and it's very contained. You can all those areas or activities are within walking distance of the hotel. It's one of the oldest inhabited, continually inhabited cities in, on, in uh, North America. It's been around since the 1500s, and there's just lots of culture, and, and uh, it's a little challenging to get to, but, but it, it, do, it doesn't seem to, uh, to be much of a problem. Our membership or our registration numbers are up dramatically. We have over 120 people registered this year. So, sorry about the door. <laughs> Great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I'm here with Sarah Ann Whitback, and for anybody who hasn't met Sarah Ann, she is essentially the Christine Aim of the Seawas uh, Society. She's great at her job. She runs this place. We couldn't do it without her. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So, Sarah, if you would take a minute to um, kind of go over with us, what's the future of the Seawas Society? Where are we heading? So CWIS is um, really growing very quickly. We have only been accepting memberships for two years. Um, we actually started as an entity about two and a half years ago in um, August of 2016. And I spent about six months building infrastructure and getting all of the necessary business functions in place. And then at that first official meeting in March of 2017, we started accepting memberships. Um, and since then, um, we have accepted, I think now we're up to 179 memberships, actually, because we just received a few more. Um, so it's been an incredible explosion of, of members in just two years. And we're really excited about the enthusiasm and, and all of the um, just engagement that, that our surgeons and our advanced practice clinicians have related to chest wall injury. Um, and it's not just a you know, fixation um, of chest wall injury, it's also about building protocols for um, you know, pain management and physical therapy, respiratory therapy, how you can engage your whole team. So it's not just a how do we fix all these, these ribs, it's, it's a whole you know, patient, um, patient process. And for the East TraumaCast listeners, if they were interested in getting involved with the society, what, what sort of things do they have to look forward to in the future? So I think one of the most exciting things that we have going for people that are not currently part of the Chesswell Injury Society is a mentoring program that we're really excited about. We have international experts, literally from 18 countries right now, and growing, um, and um, they are truly phenomenal teachers and very excited and, and, like I say, engaged in what they're doing. And they are excited to share what they know and and really help with um, teaching other people. And so we are partnering with newly trained surgeons and other um, advanced practice clinicians to teach them about the process, both surgical and non-surgical, and looking at, at imaging and trying to decide, should this person have an operation, or if not, what pain, pain management modalities are, are or should be available to them, um, where incision placement would be, how you, how you get started, right? What kind of 
um, issues are they facing within their own within their own facilities in terms of getting product or potentially, you know, mitigating some of the the potential turf wars that may be going on. And and so those mentoring relationships um, are already going on on an informal basis, but we're actually going to be codifying those into formal mentoring relationships that the that the society will be helping to foster and pairing people up. And so we're excited about about that process. So certainly we've been doing mentoring at an informal level. My two mentors, uh, one from Baltimore and one from D.C., as well as then I mentor two surgeons, one in Traverse City and one in Denver. And it's just really nice we meet each other either at um, industry training events or here at CWIS. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing CWIS do it on a more formal level because it's easy to go to the two-day course, but then coming home to your own institution and starting a RIB program and then knowing which patient to choose, that can be a really big deal. Absolutely. Um, and we aren't looking for this to be an on-site, you know, hands-on or even shadowing mentoring opportunity. Like you say, it's really more about having that person that's ready access that, that you can share a scan with or pick, just pick up the phone and say, this is what I'm facing and, and can you help or have you had any experience with this? And also by building this network and infrastructure of other mentors, even if that person doesn't necessarily know the answer, they will have a whole cadre of, of team members that they can share with and say, okay, my my trainee is having these questions. Can anyone else help? And and I think it will really enhance everybody's practice. You know, by by receiving those questions, you have to also say to yourself, why do I do this? You know, so so it also sharpens the skill or sharpens the saw for our our mentors. And so I think it will make everybody's practice that much better. Great. Thank you, Sarah Ann, for taking some time with me. Thanks so much. Uh, this is Matt Dahl. I'm here at the Chesterwell Injury Society meeting with uh, Dr. Karima Fitzgerald. Uh, Dr. Fitzgerald, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the projects you were involved with that were presented? Sure, thanks for having me. Um, so at Hershey and at UPMC Pinnacle, we've been using a new system that was designed by some of the surgeons at Hershey that um, employs uh, minimally invasive techniques to do internal rib plating. Um, one of the things that we do is use the VATS approach in order to be able to place the plates internally and uh, fix them that way. Excellent. How many patients have you done this on and what kind of results are you seeing? So at my institution, I've done about 10 and um, I think a total of 12 in our institution. At UPMC, I think that they've done about four. Um, we've had some very good results. Our patients usually are back to good respiratory status within about 24 to 48 hours. And then also in terms of pain control and functionality, usually within 48 hours you see a big difference and they're able to participate with physical therapy. And I think that they actually see an improvement and they get out of the hospital a little bit faster than if we had waited. I think we're more aggressive with plating these people as well. We're trying to do them earlier rather than later. So within 72 hours we try to employ these plates. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, and we look forward to uh, hearing more about this project in the months and years to come. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, I'm standing here with Dr. Moore, who was the keynote speaker for the uh, Chestwell Injury Society meeting today. Dr. Moore, thank you for your talk. Really enjoyed that. Thank you. I enjoyed presenting it and have enjoyed uh, discussions with the members. This is a phenomenal group and is really doing a great service for the injured patient. Dr. Moore covered uh, the seminal articles from the Journal of Trauma about rib fracture repair and rib fracture management. Um, let me pick your brain. What do you think the future holds? What's, where's the future directions we should take chest wall injury research? Well, I don't think there's any question that rib uh, fixation is here to stay. I think the challenges are identifying the appropriate patient 
and I think that additionally we have opportunities with technology, uh, the thoroscopic approach or the absorbable plates that perhaps retain their physical properties longer. There's plenty to do, but I think this group uh, is well on its way to define uh, which patients merit this procedure. The technology will follow. Great. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Matt Dahl at the Chest Wall Injury Society meeting. I'm here with Dr. Uh, Lautenberg. Uh, Dr. Lautenberg, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about um, your involvement in the society uh, and how you've seen the society grow and how you see it growing in the years to come. I've been doing replating since 2004, 2005. Um, I found a group of people with like minds way back then we started off as a small group of 20 or 25 people developing consensus statements. It morphed into this fantastic society uh, over the last three or four years. Um, I'm so proud and so happy of what we've become. It is just an amazing, amazing group of people who use their minds and their hands to change the lives of injured patients. That's great. That's a great summary. Um, one of the things that was discussed here was your prediction that at five years, the society would have 500 people. Now at two years, we're at 200, and you know it seems like that's we're on the way. something that could easily be achieved. Talk to us about how the other ways that you see the society growing in the years to come. Well, I see the society growing in mentorship, in patient education, most importantly, and in changing quality of life. Despite some of the recent data that shows that quality of life really it doesn't get affected by us uh, surgically repairing uh, patients with uh, fractured ribs, I think contrary. And I think we'll be able to prove that as time goes on, that a patient's earlier return to work, earlier return to leisure activities, and earlier return to the way of life they had before injury is going to make a big difference with what we're doing. Excellent. And um, if I'm a young member of CWIS, I'm impressed with society, I want to be involved, I want to be uh, helping moving forward, what are some ways that I can do that? Uh, I get involved with our uh, randomized studies, in, uh, come up with new studies, come up with new ideas, uh, put your information, put your questions, put your comments on our blog, uh, be involved with the senior members, uh, learn, mentor, mentor other people train your residents, train your students, train your fellows. Excellent, thank you. Any final plug before we wrap up? Well, uh, you know, I'm part of the development committee, which means that I'm responsible for obtaining ph philanthropic donations. I can't emphasize that enough. That's the way we'll be able to bring our young mentees to these meetings and expose them to what we do. I can't encourage enough for people to donate uh, anything uh, you know, obviously some of us donate more than others, but anything so that we can begin to develop a fund to uh, sponsor people to these meetings. Excellent. Thank you for your time, Doctor. All right, I'm standing here with Fred Paracci, the now immediate past president of Chestwall Injury Society. Uh, Fred, tell us a little bit, what were the highlights of your year as president of the organization? Oh, well, we don't have enough time to go through all of them, but uh, it's just been fantastic to get involved in a society that is so young to really critically think about a lot of the decisions that have already been made in many of the other societies. Um, we were able to create and award our first uh, resident fellowship. That was very much a highlight. 
we were able to create and implement our society's international data repository. And um, we were able to uh, land some pretty sweet speakers at the conference uh, this year and getting to choose and invite them and go through the process of uh, working on their uh, content was uh, a privilege. What do you think is the future for the society and how does it relate to other trauma societies in general? So one of the things that sets us apart, I think, from a lot of other surgical societies is our interdisciplinary nature. By its very essence, this society needs to uh, be comprised of trauma, thoracic, and orthopedic surgeons. And so we're already different in that regard. But on top of that, uh, we've started to and need to continue to expand into other non-surgical disciplines like radiology, anesthesiology, and physical therapy. And so that um, is a huge focus of the next year or two. Um, we are, for better or for worse, um, undertaking a very deep dive into our conflict of interest uh, ideas and management policies and hoping to draft a, a societal conflict of interest management uh, statement. And then um, I guess finally we're just trying to um, improve our international base and increase our membership internationally and even starting to think three to five years down the road of holding a meeting outside of the U.S. Okay, great, thanks. All right, I'm standing here with Dr. Uh, Stefan Schultz-Drost. Did I say that correctly, hopefully? Drost? Yeah. Uh, from Germany. Uh, uh, Stefan always brings, uh, I, I think of him as the engineer of the Chest Wall Society, um, a chest Wall Injury Society, making us think about the chest as a, as a unit. But first off, let me ask you, um, you've come every year from Germany. That's a long way to come. Why do you keep coming back? Yeah, sure. Um, I followed the first invitation from Tom White um, when we met three years ago. This was an expert panel and we meet and decided to settle up this um, nice um, society. And we meet all the experts all over the world here. You see, we have eight Australians um, here and people from Brazil we know very well from um, Chesswell International Group, for example. We have you, uh, the U.S., with great power and scientific things and experienced surgeons because you even started to fix the ribs with the modern implants a couple of years before we could do because the launch of those implants um, were only at 2010 in Europe, yeah? and you're um, far um, away from us. But we learn from each other, and I meet some um, friends from Europe here, and we're all here for the same issue, but we are from different uh, professions. We have physiotherapists here, we have nurses here, and we have doctors from different specialities. Thoracic surgeons, orthopedic and trauma surgeons, some were emergency surgeons, we met radiologists and anesthesiologists today, and that's the matter. Chest wall means it surrounds um, our chest with all its organs and muscles and function. And it's an interdisciplinary approach um, we need to represent here, and we do. And this was a fantastic um, conference, um, two very intensive days, and nobody in Europe would join a conference um, for um, six, starting at 6 a.m., yeah? And say, <laughs> wow, cool, but we do, because we have interactive sessions as one as scientific sessions, um, discussion panels, and so on. This is a great mixture and I always learn a lot. And now back to your question. Sure, as an orthopedic and trauma surgeon, I'm a little bit an engineer, of course, and I see the locomotoric function of our body and even of the chest. 
and the chest connects all. We have um, the forequarter connecting the arm with all its function we need for daily life. We have um, muscular tissues and soft tissue bringing us breathing chest wall, feeling comfortable and just um, having some protection for the inner organs. And this, is, this meets the point that's an important region. And we all know if the chest ball crashes, the people won't do um, very well. Of course, you can treat some conservatively, but some not. And the idea behind this is to get the message, um, what's the impalement for the patients. And it's systematic um, injuries. It's often a combination of different injuries we need to see as one. And for example, this was one um, issue of my presentation today to discuss about the role of clavicle fractures additional to um, flail chest. This is one injury, a costal and clavicular injury. This means severe dislocation of the shoulder, impairment of the function, long-term problems, um, and that means for the um, immediate um, pre, uh, primary care, those people are under risk to have additional lung injuries and even vessels and so on. They stay longer in the ICU and are dependent from the ventilator. And we need to recognize this as an interdisciplinary approach. Those clavicle probably is more orthopedic stuff than the ribs. Some orthopedics are reluctant to look at them or to treat them. Otherwise, the thoracic surgeons are focused on the ribs, but not on clavicle and shoulder girdle. It's one union. It's the same I told you yesterday with a similar research about um, spinal injuries and with indigenous sternum fracture. What's in between? The mediastinal organs. And they are highly significant more injured in those combined sternovertebral injuries than in isolated ones. And this is what makes it interesting to restore the function, to recognize um, this um, life-threatening injuries at the earliest um, point. And for us, as an engineer again, we like to restore the integrity of the trunk. This means no loss of the sagittal profile of outcome, no kyphosis um, following this, no impalement with hunch deformity and so on. What's on the criteria list for sternal repair? And so um, the circle closes. Um, if we understand the mechanisms of injury and we're looking for those injuries, if they are they or we can rule it out, and then we go for surgical approaches. And this all meets here in the Chessboard Injury Society. I like it. Right. It, it, I think that's one of the main takeaways that I've gotten from your presentations this year and in years past is that you know, often it, there's a temptation um, for a lot of us to think of, the, oh, it's just a clavicle fracture or it's just a scapula fracture or it's just a sternal fracture, but not seeing it as part of a larger whole and really what the impact is to the function of the patient. So what, what is uh, maybe one take-home message from um, your presentation, say, on the clavicle that you did this year that you wish that uh, more trauma surgeons were aware of? Um. It is the interdisciplinary approach to have um, within the first admission of patients. Um, we meet them in the emergency room and then we need to go for primary care, taking primary service, stabilize them. And once we have CT scan and so on and stabilize them, we need to recognize all those fractures during the secondary survey. 
or at least the day after the acute care surgery. And then we need to have a discussion panel and say, what's the matter with those injuries? Is there a combination we need to respect or are those every single injuries? And then the discussion for each department should be who's responsible for what? Or can we um, serve as a team? Mm. Could be. And every department should prepare themselves before the patient arrives. We should um, give pathways to them. Mm. And I see the CIVIS as a great platform um, to prepare those pathways. Mm. Yeah, great. Well, thank you very much. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here with uh, Dr. Andy Dobin at the Chestwall Injury Society. Uh, Dr. Dobin, thanks for talking to us. Tell us a little bit about um, the Chestwall Injury Society and what it means to you and how you've seen it grow over the years. Oh, great. Okay, thanks. Well, nice to see you again. And uh, Chestwall Injury Society really has grown tremendously over the last few years. In fact, we just came to realize it's only been two years to the day and we have over 200 members. Uh, I remember our first one which was prior to becoming a society. We had a colloquium, 35 people in the room, and the momentum and the, and the energy was palpable. But to see the growth and to see the degree of science that has progressed in just a short period of time is really quite amazing. And uh, so we've been really excited to see that today, and we've been really... Um, been very honored to have some of our international colleagues come and present some really phenomenal research and I think that the mission statement which is to provide high quality research and improve patient care is really coming to fruition. Yeah, it's been a really neat meeting. Um, could you take a minute and tell us about uh, CID and what that is and what it's going to be moving forward? Sure, so CID stands for the Chest International Injury Database and it's um, it's an online HIPAA-compliant data collection tool for all CWIS members, uh, free of charge, that they can enter both operative and non-operative patients into a prospective database. It's going to have retrospective capabilities to backfill uh, many people who have years of experience, but the real strength is going to be prospectively going forward, having daily outcomes, we, uh, follow-up outcomes, and three-month quality of life outcomes. So we're hoping that uh, this will be a valuable tool, much like the NTDB, to do not just to participate in individual studies moving forward, but to take and know much better a sense of what the denominator is across the country and people's outcomes. The eventual goal will be to develop a uh, NISQIP or TQIP style database specifically for chest injury. And if I'm not at the meeting this year, but I'm interested in finding out more about this or getting involved with this project, how would I do that? So the best way to do that is right through the website for the society. So it's cwisociety.org. And if you want to jump right to the database, it's cwisociety.org slash CIID. And right there is a landing page that will have uh, forms to fill out to, for inquiry or to register to get yourself in the, in the rollout plan. Great. Thank you so much for your time and uh, your contributions, and we look forward to hearing more about Sid in the uh, months to come. Thanks. Thanks for taking time to talk with me. Thanks. All right, I'm here with uh, Dr. Adam Shiroff. He's the new president of the Chestwall Injury Society. Adam, what do you see as your uh, focus over the next year? Uh, hi, Dave. Well, thanks for the question. I think over the next year, our, a major focus is going to be on uh, standardization of education. Um, 
and, and really sort of locking down the way that, that surgeons learn to do this uh, stabilization procedure when it's indicated. Um, we've, we've spent a lot of the last year uh, on, on prospective randomized control trials and, and the research aspect, and I think I'm really going to focus on making sure that surgeons go out there when they do this procedure on the right patients. It's done in a way that we can guarantee that the best outcomes are going to happen for those patients. And what would you say to uh, people who are maybe thinking about coming to the meeting? How would you, uh, how would you sell it to them? Uh, I, I would sell this meeting as uh, simply as a fantastic group of healthcare providers. Um, it, it is truly multidisciplinary. We've got surgeons from around the world in uh, every specialty from uh, plastic surgery to uh, thoracic surgery, general trauma surgery, uh, orthopedic surgery. We have advanced practice providers, uh, anesthesiologists, physical therapists. Uh, and it's a fantastic group of friendly, collegial folks who uh, have as much fun as they do uh, push science forward. Great. Thanks, Adam. All right. I'm here with Mario Gaspari, who is the president-elect-elect, elect, will be uh, president in two, 2020. Next, 2020 of the Chest Wall Injury Society. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you think the involvement of non-trauma surgeons in the society, how that works for Chest Wall Injury Society, and what, what the extra added value. I think we can only benefit by broadening the, uh, um, the, the, the lenses through which we see the exact same injury. So I think thoracic surgeons bring something to the table. I think orthopedic surgeons bring something to the table. I think uh, um, uh, plastic surgeons bring something to the table in addition to the trauma guys. I personally have learned a ton from the trauma guys. And my guess is they could probably learn something from um, us or other specialties as well. So I think the more people we get of different specialties and cross-pollinate, the better off we are. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I feel like this meeting was a really good representation of that. We've had better involvement across specialties maybe than we have in, in years past. Um, as a thoracic surgeon, what is one thing you wish uh, trauma surgeons knew about the chest? <laughs> Jeez, where do I start? No, I, it could uh, be more than one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, um, you know, I think the, you guys are, are fantastic externally. I think I would love to bring everybody up to speed of feeling comfortable doing um, things intrathoracically. I, I, I'd like to see everybody feel comfortable in thoracoscopy so that uh, um, um, if there's associated hemothoraces and so forth, and I think the vast majority of people are, but I think there's a lot of people who don't feel comfortable with it and don't address the intrapleural problems. Um, similarly, bronchoscopy. I mean, I think that's one part of the thing and clean them out, make sure their airways are clean. Uh, all these things I think are skills that we kind of uh, either overlook or forget about. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. That's perfect. I'm here with Dr. Peter Cole. Dr. Cole, uh, thanks for having a second to talk to us. What are some of your thoughts on uh, the Chest Wall Injury Society? Well, uh, first of all, I have absolutely loved attending this meeting. It uh, brings me back to the origins of our own uh, Orthopedic Trauma Association uh, many years ago. And uh, I, I like the fact that um, you know, people are really uh, uh, loose and free and sharing, and there's a lot of creativity in the program. Uh, the, the leadership uh, elements are extremely strong. Obviously, a, uh, a committed uh, group of uh, core leaders, which is very apparent. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, I've been fixing ribs for 20 years now in the, as an orthopedic trauma surgeon. And yet, I feel in some respects I've been wandering through the wilderness because I, I have very few colleagues that actually do this. And um, clearly, um, this uh, entity, this clinical entity, is falling into the domain of uh, thoracic and, and uh, trauma surgeons, which is fine. I just think that uh, orthopedic traumatology 
should um, be able to contribute to the solution because as an orthopedic surgeon in our training as you can imagine you know we we think uh, night and day for five six years uh, nothing other than uh, uh, about bone healing how you get bones to heal how do you get them reduced um, what are the biologic enhancers what are the mechanical things um, that promote you know the proper stress strain relationship the working length of plates uh, the the uh, you know intramedullary and extramedullary um, options for fixation uh, uh, tissue sparing techniques and and there's so so much that I think that uh, as an orthopedic surgeon that uh, I feel we could uh, bring to make the equation complete if you will I mean certainly this is uh, one of the other beauties of uh, chest wall fixation is that it's a, a, a real chance to do a clinical cross-pollination and, and combined care. You know, there's, there's a role for the orthopedic surgeon, the thoracic surgeon, the, the, the trauma surgeon, even in combining procedures, whether it's, you know, placing chest tubes or doing VATS procedures or bronchoscopies in addition to the different kinds of surgical approaches that we might encounter. Uh, in the uh, intense, acute, uh, traumatic situations, oftentimes it may actually be at the same operative setting that we're, you know, dealing with uh, uh, hemoneumothoraces, rib uh, uh, chest evacuations, uh, pericardial effusions, or, um, or what have you. So, uh, for me, it's just been a, a joy and a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's, uh, we packed a lot in uh, 48 hours, and, and it's uh, congratulations to uh, to you and the, the leaders who put together a, a terrific program here in Santa Fe. Well, Dr. Cole, thank you so much. We look forward to uh, your contributions moving forward. I 100% I agree that this is something that really does need a multidisciplinary collaborative effort to um, move the field forward. So thank you for being yeah. involved, and uh, we hope to leverage your experience more moving forward. I had the great pleasure of interviewing my own resident, Benjamin Johnson, who was the winner of the very first CWIS Residency Research Scholarship for $25,000. Ben, congratulations. Thanks, Dr. Valdez. So tell us, what's your project about? What's the thought and how long do you think it'll take? Sure, so I think this kind of started um, as second year residents, my class put together a QI project to try and improve the outcomes of our rib fracture patients. We instituted an uh, institution-wide wide protocol for the management of rib fractures and trauma patients. Prior to this, we were concerned that maybe they were being under-triaged and we were having some problems with poor outcomes because of that. And so we did an extensive literature search, um, put together the protocol, and then instituted it this last July. Right now, sorry. Um, under your guidance, we submitted the request for the CWIS uh, grant because, quite frankly, the project had grown a little bit out of our control and we needed some help to manage some of the data and make sure that we were uh, tracking the progress the way we should be. And, for, and fortunately for our listeners, you can't see a picture of this protocol, but it's intense. There's five different parameters in the emergency room that we use between age, rib fractures, frailty score, past medical history, including things like COPD, as well as oxygen requirements, and, and all these different parameters come together. And then what do you do with that data from the trauma bay? Yeah, once we um, stratify, risk stratify the patients based on 
these given parameters, they go to one of three categories, uh, be it high risk, moderate risk, or low risk. The high risk patients all go to our ICU for closer monitoring. And their progression from there kind of depends on their progression of their uh, pulmonary status and their pain control. The moderate risk patients go to the floor and the low-risk patients either are observed for a brief period or are discharged home. What is your plan over the next 12 months with this research grant and all of this data? We are hoping over the next year, and we're actually coming up on the end of our collection period, to validate each aspect of our rib fracture protocol so that each point can be defended with specific uh, data and, out and patient outcomes. Once validated, we'd like to uh, Hone the, hone the protocol as best we can, and then publish it as the spectrum protocol for use at centers nationwide as a validated protocol that improves outcomes for rib fracture patients. I think that sounds awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Valdez. I'm here with uh, Dr. Edwards at, at uh, CWIS 2019. Dr. Edwards, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience here and your thoughts on the society. So I think, I think the important thing is that CWIS has a family feel um, and you know you go to new to many societies many meetings and they're sometimes big sometimes small but you come to see us and you know that you're with friends immediately not friends family um, and you know it, it goes way back I guess you know there was a meeting in 2013 in Henderson Nevada where we started to talk about consensus which we probably come back to in a few minutes, in a minute or two, I guess. Um, and, and out of that meeting, um, Dr. White and others realized that there was a need for, for to really drive things forward. And I, I'm honored to have been part of the journey from the very beginning. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is important. It's important to be international. Um, and that's something that, that in terms of strategy, C was is going to really major on in the next few years. Um, and it's, it, I think it's fantastic already that there are 17 different countries represented in the membership. Um, but the challenge is to get people to come. And I think you only need to talk to people that have come for the first time and you realize that actually they realize, you know, they understand how a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere you get at CWIS, and, and that, that's something that is only going to be for the good of the society. Absolutely. Well, for those of uh, those who couldn't be here, can you give us uh, just a quick few bullet points from your presentation today, which was excellent? Well, thank you indeed. I mean, it's, it's, it's a labor of love. Um, I'm involved in the staging committee for lung cancer, and so coming up with definitions and categories in big data sets is something that I, I understand with it, is how important it is. And when you look at the taxonomy for chest trauma, there is no standardization. Every paper is slightly different, every trial is slightly different, and we need to talk the same language. And hence the, the, um, the projects that I've had the opportunity to lead to try and get an international consensus together has been a really interesting journey for me. Um, and with the support of my colleagues in, in Sheffield in the UK, we've managed to, to look at the, um, the outcomes associated with the categories that the, the international group put together. And, and, and it's just beginning to put a few leaves on the tree. Um, and it's, having said that, it is just the beginning. 
And I see the role of definitions of injury as a, it's a rolling process. It's, it is going to require intense data collection, but it needs to be manageable. And, and Dr. Andrew Dobin, in, in, in discussion earlier in the day, put it very clearly, you have to hit the sweet spot. If you make something too complicated, you're never going to get the data. If you make it too simple, you're never actually going to achieve anything with the data. So the, the role of Sid, um, who is going to be a good friend of us all, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the Chest Injuries International Database, I think that's what it stands for, um, is, is going to be really important in setting the definitions. And I, think it, I think it's going to be one of the things that defines the society. Um, the collaboration, the international feel, um, the specificity of dealing with, with, with chest trauma. Absolutely. Um, and, and being the go-to organisation for information and for, for the understanding and research, it's, you know, it's a really exciting time. Um, it's, it's so much fun to be part of it. Excellent. Well, thank you for your contributions. We look forward to seeing your full manuscript uh, in yeah, short order. Yeah, no, indeed. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's the it, it's great, it, I, you know, to 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 get that in the Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery, and, and it's been backwards and forwards a little bit, but but actually to get it in more or less unchanged is is fantastic, and that that sets the agenda, and it's now the challenge is to see if it's right or yeah, if it's wrong, absolutely, and. And then that's that's fine. We will learn from it and we'll move forward. And as long as we keep on moving, we'll get there in the end. Excellent. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. All right. I'm standing here with Dr. Jeremy Shu from uh, Australia. Um, too bad this is just audio because <laughs> Dr. Shu is decked out in his best Dia de los Muertos uh, costume for yeah. the party here tonight. Anyway, uh, you've come all the way from Australia. What brings you back to the Chest Wall Injury Society every year? Uh, so I came to the summit last year and found it amazing. Actually, met everyone from the Chest Wall Injury Society the year before that. Um, you know, joined the society. Everyone was really welcoming. You know, it was a new, um, it's a new kind of area, relatively new in Australia. So you know, having a society where you know, you have access to experts, you know, uh, was really, really useful. And so last year's summit was so great, had to come this year. Um, and again, it's been fantastic. And you presented on, uh, you did a randomized trial of yeah. high flow nasal cannula versus a Venturi mask. What, yeah. what are the take home messages you want people to know from that study? Yeah, well, look, you know, it's amazing because I guess my impression and certainly in my institution, the high flow nasal cannula kind of just crept in and became widespread and accepted without really any good data. So we thought we'd run a little trial, like a randomized control trial, looking at it in high-risk rib fracture patients. And you know what? At the end of the day, we found that there was no difference. No difference in terms of the uh, way that the patients, uh, you know, received their oxygen therapy. There was no deterioration um, between the two groups. They were, um, they were, so it was equally as effective. You know, there was actually no difference in the comfort level as well, which is what something that I thought there might be a difference. But at the end of it all, we found that there really isn't any difference between them, but there's a very significant cost difference right, between the two. A, it was orders of magnitude yeah, different. Yeah, it's right? huge difference between yeah. the cost of what the high-flow nasal cannula system is compared to Venturi mask. So are you using the high flow or were using yeah. the high flow in floor patients like as a means to prevent them from deteriorating yeah, so, into needing ICU or something so like that? So in, in our bundle, like as in for rib fracture patients who didn't require um, uh, mechanical ventilation, they actually all went to our sort of, uh, I guess monitored it'd be the equivalent of yeah, a monitored unit, like a one to two nursing ratio, continuous monitoring, where they would receive 
the high flow nasal cannula, um, oxygen as you know part of that bundle of care, and now we're going to be switching to venturi- yeah to the yeah. mask because it it works just as well. Yeah, well, in this era of cost conscious care, uh, yeah. you know that eventually will come to us in the states as well. So yeah. Anyway, well, thanks for uh, coming. Thanks for contributing your science. No, it's been Appreciate fantastic it. conference as always. Like as in, I'm, I'm really glad to be part of this society. I think it's you know I've learned a whole heap again like coming coming to this. So yeah, thanks. Good, thanks. Yeah. Well, hi everybody. It's Dave Morris again. I uh, just wanted to thank again all of the people that we nabbed for these interviews for this highlights edition of the trauma cast uh, apologies to those that we may have interviewed at the meeting but for whatever reason didn't make it to the podcast uh, some of the audio clips were uh, of lower quality or there was a background noise or there were other issues and so uh, again apologies to those of you that we may have interviewed and didn't make it into the episode here. thank you for listening to this episode of ribcasts We hope that this recording has given you some information about the 2019 Chest Wall Injury Summit and has excited you for the 2020 Summit, which will be held in Denver, Colorado. Special thanks, as always, to Dr. Tom White and Sarah Ann Whitbeck, both for their support of this podcast, as well as their tireless efforts to create an excellent summit. Thanks to the Education Committee for the Chest Wall Injury Society. Thanks to the band Ask Again, whose music is utilized throughout this podcast. Thank you.